With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Exposing the motives and agenda of the world's most powerful. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to Unleashed. It's Mark Morano. Boy, have we got an end of the year, the final show of 2023, and we are bringing you a TNT exclusive Nobel Prize winning scientist, physicist, John Clauser, who won the Nobel Prize in physics just last year in 2022, will have an exclusive interview I conducted. I will be broadcasting in the second segment. So stay tuned in about 15 to 20 minutes. You will see. Dr. John Clauser, one of the most foremost scientists on planet Earth, express his global warming skepticism in an in-depth interview. The interview is about 13 and a half minutes. It was conducted earlier this month when I was in Baltimore with Dr. Clauser at an event uh, on actually, of all things, Pope Francis and the Catholic Church's beliefs on abortion. Now, Dr. Clauser is an avowed atheist. Dr. Clauser was raised Catholic, but he left the church he went to this event uh, not to talk about religion, not to talk even specifically about the Pope, but he went to talk about climate science. And this event, he spoke right before me, and then I spoke second, was in front of major media. We had the Washington Post there, the New York Times, uh, a whole bunch of religious media, international press. And what ended up happening was the Washington Post not only covered the event, but interviewed Dr. Clauser in a print uh, uh, um, article afterward, and in the article, dated November 16th, 2023, headline with a picture of Dr. John Clauser, Nobel Prize winning scientist who calls climate change pseudoscience. Uh, they say, quote, this is the Washington Post headline, quote, no climate crisis, a Nobel Prize winning physicist declares, unquote. Wow. That was the Washington Post. Now, what I said at the time was, I can't believe it. That headline writer is going to be fired. That reporter, I believe it was a religious reporter, who doesn't normally cover this. And I don't think they were aware that, hey, you're not supposed to put climate crisis in any kind of bad light. You have to say evil climate denier uh, who's funded by fossil fuels believes following or you know discredited scientists. Instead, they put it out there like, this guy just won the Nobel Prize in science. And he says there's no climate crisis in the freaking Washington Post. So just to reiterate, we are going to have that exclusive interview with Dr. John Clauser. Now, it's coming up in the next segment. So here's what the Washington Post said, quote, Dr. John Clauser won a Nobel Prize. Then he started denying climate change. John Clauser shared the Nobel in physics last year, 2022. He's a self-described denier of the overwhelming scientific consensus of a warming planet. And they talk about the event showcase, the event that I spoke at, showcased Clauser's remarkable shift since winning one of the world's most prestigious awards for groundbreaking experiments with light particles in the 1970s. And Dr. Clauser will clarify that in my TNT exclusive interview coming up in about 15 minutes. We should have a little a countdown clock on the screen here. His recent denial of global warming, he denies it, has alarmed top climate scientists. This is how the Washington Post works. They did put it in, they did put that, but they had to put in all the people trashing him, which you know we'll get to. 
uh, has alarmed climate scientists who warn that Clouser is using his stature as a Nobel Prize winner to mislead the public about the planetary emergency. Imagine that. He won a Nobel Prize. He doesn't think there's a planetary emergency. And now he's misleading the public. They should know what they should do? Silence him. Deplatform him. Cancel him. Strip his Nobel away. I'll get to some of that in a minute because they're already starting. The other speakers, the Washington Post, the other speakers included Mark Morano, a former Republican congressional staffer who runs a website that rejects mainstream climate science. Yes, I also rejected mainstream COVID lockdowns and mainstream vaccine mandates and mainstream COVID claims. So that goes hand in hand. That's actually, I have no problem with them saying that. I reject the mainstream climate science. And Alex Newman, who I've had as a guest on this show, a journalist for right-wing media outlets, who has often called, who has often, who has called for exposing the climate scam. Both men took multiple jabs at former Vice President Al Gore in his 2006 documentary about the dangers of climate change. This is the Washington Post. Now, this is how you know it. it's not hard news. But they wrote this. Clouser, who wore a gray blouser with black jeans and a Teva and Teva sandals. T-E-V-A. Okay, what are we reading? Cosmopolitan on Nobel Prize winners? By the way, you'll get to see his gray browser. You won't get to see the Teva sandals in my interview coming up in about 12 minutes on exclusive TNT radio. He appeared buoyant as he took the stage. He cycled through a PowerPoint presentation which began with the explanation, great news, there's no climate crisis. This from a Nobel Prize winning scientist. And here's what he said. This is great quote. Much as it may upset many people, my message is the planet is not in peril. Nobel Prize winning scientist John Clauser told the audience in the hotel conference room and others watching online. I call myself a climate denier, Clauser said. I've been told that's not politically correct. So I guess I'm a crisis climate crisis D-word person. So that's a very good way of putting it. And by the way, I was the one who told him it wasn't politically correct. We had dinner the night before in Baltimore's Little Italy. And I explained to him that that term, and I went through all the examples. I had a whole chapter in my book, Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. I think it was more than two dozen examples of mainstream media from the New York Times, CBS, the Boston Globe, the Washington Post, all comparing climate skeptics to Holocaust deniers. Uh, to where we had Scott Pelley actually say, I won't interview a climate denier for the same reason I won't interview a Holocaust denier on CBS News when he was a CBS News anchor. So you got an idea of where they're coming from. So that's what he meant by it's not politically correct. Now, this is because we'll be asking him about this, and this will be on TNT coming up shortly. But he, he talked about meeting with President Biden and he was invited to the White House along with the nobles, and he had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Joe Biden. And he criticized to Biden's face his climate and energy policies, to which Joe Biden replied, sounds like right-wing science. So a Nobel Prize-winning scientist, fresh off the award in physics, goes to the White House to be fated, to be honored. And yes, it is fated, not feted, F-E-T-E-D. If you look it up, it's fated. And the president insults him as, quote, practicing right-wing science. That just gives you an idea. Uh, and the, I love this. The Washington Post, a White House spokesman did not immediately respond to a comment. And by the way, they haven't done it a week later, a month later, a year later. They'll never respond to a comment. This is where it gets interesting. And this is according to the Washington Post, and he'll talk about this as well. Clouser was not welcomed everywhere. In July, Clouser was scheduled to deliver a seminar on climate models to the International Monetary Fund's International Monetary Fund, but then the event was summarily canceled. Uh, 
with no explanation. On Tuesday, Clouser said he was told the event would be reformatted to a debate with the author of the UN Climate Panel Report. Oh, no, not that. Those are the most prestigious scientists in the world. Their credentials are impeccable. You can't argue with the science. But guess what? The IPCC didn't want to show. They didn't want to debate him. So guess what happened? It wasn't reformatted. Um, it was canceled. The idea never went anywhere, he said. Asked for comment, a spokesman of the, uh, of the International Monetary Fund declined to comment and did not respond to follow-up questions about when the event might be rescheduled. And this was back in November. They won't comment in December, in January, in 2024, in 2025. He is now Don Clauser. The most recent Nobel Prize winner is now persona non grata in the establishment. He was about to ride the biggest wave of here's the latest Nobel Prize winning scientist. And he stepped in it. Now, he doesn't care. He's 80 years old. He's he's retired. He doesn't fall. He's not political at all. I asked him about the U.N. agenda. The, he's like, I don't follow the U.N. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what they're doing. All I know is the science, which is kind of refreshing. He doesn't get involved in the politics. He doesn't talk about Al Gore, AOC. He doesn't talk about the Green New Deal. He doesn't talk about the U.N. climate agenda. He doesn't talk about gas powered car bans or meat eating and all legislation. He just doesn't deal with any of it. He's literally pure science. His presentation uh, is highly technical, highly scientific when he calls it, goes through and explains how the climate science claims are pseudoscience. But remember, you get to decide for yourself because in about eight minutes, Dr. John Clauser, a TNT exclusive, will be joining us. All right. Um, anyway, so that happened there. Now, this went on uh, and Dr. Clauser uh, was going to actually do some events with us at COP28. We had him this close to hopping on a plane, but given that he was out on the West Coast uh, and he'd have to fly across the United States and then into the Middle East to get to Dubai and then by the, give him a day or two to recover and then have an event that would most likely, and I, I emphasize this at COP28 because I've been to 18 out of the last 20 United Nations climate summits all around the world, they would have likely canceled the event. And we've done this before. We've done it with former astronaut Walt Cunningham, who's now late, it was fantastic. We would schedule a room and do everything as NGOs, non-government organizations, fully credentialed with the United Nations Climate Summit. 2014 in Lima, Peru, we show up, we start talking. Walt Cunningham, one of the men, one of NASA's original astronauts is talking, going through the climate, talking about how NASA has been co-opted by by the climate activists and NASA went from the most prestigious scientist to being filled with ideology and crap cl scientific claims now when it comes to climate. Within minutes of Walt Cunningham starting, we were informed by the United Nations officials that John Kerry, who was then part of the Obama administration, he was the um, State Department, I believe, or he was another climate envoy, needed the room. So we were booted out unceremoniously in the middle, they took our microphone, they turned the lights and they booted us out of the room. I wrote extensively about this at Climate Depot back in 2014. Actually, it may have been Peru, Peru, Peru. I, I believe it was 2014. It could have been 2013, but that's one example. Another time in Bali, Indonesia, we actually had a room scheduled to do an anti-Al Gore conference. This was 2006, right when his movie came out. 
in moments before the UN tried to rescind the offer. They wouldn't let us. We were forced to stand outside. So that's why, going back to John, Dr. John Clauser, I just thought it was a lot of work for him to bring him to this conference and then have the United Nations start monkeying around with an 80-year-old Nobel Prize winning scientist. And we would have needed a venue. We would have ended it up at a hotel. And then we decided, well, we're going to end up it just probably wasn't worth it at this time to bring him to this conference. Um, although it would have been interesting if they tried to cancel a Nobel Prize winner, but he, he had to be up for the trip and it would have just been a lot to ask for him in five days to basically circle the globe uh, and go through all this rigmarole and hassle just so the UN can disrespect and smear him. And, you know, so anyway, so we didn't, we didn't ended up not doing that, but just so you know, uh, he, he says that, uh, just to, to scientific claims before we head over to the actual interview after the break coming up shortly, John Clauser declares climate descent, there's, quote, no real climate crisis. Climate science has metastasized into massive shock journalism pseudoscience. And that's where we are. So, okay, well, let's take a pause. We still have a few minutes before we go to break and we jump on that. But I wanted to give you some idea of where this climate agenda is going and why it's so important to have people like Nobel Prize winning scientist John Clauser and a TNT radio exclusive coming up shortly. Here it is. I want to show you clip one of what Bill Gates, America's single largest farmland owner, the man who's the number one donor to the World Health Organization, the man who's giving billions along with Richard Branson to do lab-grown meat, and the man who's giving billions to Harvard University in order to inject experimental chemicals into the atmosphere to block the sun to cool the planet. Wherever you look, Bill Gates is sort of at the center of all the evil and all that's wrong with our world, the public health tyranny, the climate agenda, the seeking the collapse of our food supply, the population scare, the vaccine the mandates. This is clip one of Bill Gates explaining how he's got an even new idea, a novel way uh, to tamper with cow breeding. Clip one. The same thing for uh, the agricultural sector, you know, beef, can you, and now I, I see two very amazing approaches by improving the cow breeding and giving them some other inputs, we can reduce their methane emissions. And this new prioritization of the methane work, uh, I applaud that because in terms of the near-term temperature increase, methane plays a, a very big role. That's Bill Gates talking about genetically tampering with cow breeding to reduce cow emissions. Now he's behind this. Now. The question is, what does it actually mean? What is he gonna be feeding these cows? We already know that King Charles, I was about to say Prince Charles, has invested in companies that came up with face masks for cows and sort of diapers to block the flatulence on the other end. Uh, you know, We already know about the study with human breath saying that's a, a thing. They're going after everything you know and, and lived in, in society, not American society, but global society. They're going after traditional agriculture. They're going after freedom of movement. They're going after the, the entire industrial revolution. So it's just incredible stuff, but that's not all. Here is clip five, the World Health Organization chief Tedros declaring war on meat and traditional agriculture in order to fight climate change. These are these are some of the most powerful people in the world, backed by some of the most powerful people, by the billionaires and institutions and NGOs and the corporations and academia and the and the media. This is what they're up to. Take a look. Clip five, Tedros. Our food systems are harming the health of people and planet 
Food systems contribute to over 30% of greenhouse gas emissions and account for almost one-third of the global burden of disease. Transforming food systems is therefore essential by shifting towards healthier, diversified, and more plant-based diets. If food systems delivered healthy diets for all, we could save 8 million lives per year. WHO is committed to supporting countries to develop and implement policies to improve diets and fight climate change. I'm therefore very pleased that over 130 countries have signed the COP28 UAE Declaration on Climate and Health. Together, we can protect and promote the health of both people and planet. I thank you. And that's what we're up against, the United Nations and the World Health Organization with a new pledge to go after traditional agriculture and revise it. Now think of it as you have a society where he's talking about the people who don't have food. Fine. We have some of the best methods of delivering food to the needy globally. We have prosperity and wealth in countries that can help get food. But more important is the old saying, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats every day. We have to allow the developing world to prosper. We need human flourishing there. The idea that you know the, the developing world can't develop like the rest of us, and they just need rations from the first world, so to speak. You know, it's a politically incorrect term. From the wealthier nations of Europe and the United States and Canada and Australia, et cetera. They don't want to go that route and try to set them up and get them self-sufficient. They want to pour in a new form of agriculture that's going to punish the West and bring them down with all kinds of climate compliance restrictions. We saw what they did in Sri Lanka. We saw what they did in the Netherlands. So this is what we're up against. The World Health Organization, public health policy, suddenly now dealing with food and agricultural and farming and cows. Bill Gates, a software engineer who's involved in, in public health, is now involved in the climate and, and restricting cows and worrying about what they're burping and buying up farmland and promoting synthetic lab-grown meat and getting it. Now we have the first time in U.S. history, the approve of human consumption of lab-grown chicken. It's incredible stuff. All right. Without further ado, a TNT exclusive Dr. John Clauser interview never before seen, never before aired until right here coming up after the break on TNT Radio on Unleashed with Mark Morano, my exclusive interview with Nobel Prize winning scientist Dr. John Clauser and his belief that climate science has devolved into pseudoscience. This is Mark Morano. We'll be right back after these messages. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. (laughs) 
You got this. You are there for them. We are here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org slash caregiving. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Don't touch that dial. This is Mark Morano back with Unleashed on TNT Radio. All right. As promised, the November 13th, 2023 exclusive interview with Dr. John Clauser, the 2022 Nobel Prize winning physicist who's now declared climate science pseudoscience is now going to air for the first time on TNT as an exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. John Clauser. Uh, here we are with Nobel Prize winning scientist John Clauser. Just briefly, what did you win the Nobel Prize for and how did that go? What year did you win it for and what was the work you did to achieve it? Okay, well, the 2022 Nobel Prize in physics. Yeah. You've got a, your lens cap there is in the way. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, the work I did was way back in the, in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, the first uh, paper I wrote was in 1969 while I was still a graduate student at Columbia. Uh, much to the distress of the physics faculty there and uh, faculty at uh, my former faculty at Caltech and the future faculty at uh, uh, or at UC Berkeley where I did the the work. So I uh, went after writing a, a now famous paper, the Clauser Horn Shimoni. Uh, Holt paper. I went to Cal Berkeley uh, and worked with Stuart Friedman, uh, who was this was he was a graduate student, and this became his PhD thesis project. And we did the first measurement of the polarization correlation of of widely separated systems. This case paraphotons were maybe about 20 feet apart, 10 to 20 feet apart, and showed that they were still quantum entangled. And quantum entanglement was originally discovered by Schrodinger and and both Schrodinger and Einstein were very skeptical that it would work for particles that were uh, far apart, uh, and, but nobody knew how to test it back during their debates, and so it kind of got lost. And then, and so in 1969, I discovered that yes, it was testable, and my associates and I designed an experiment to actually test this. Uh, so. Uh, and, and nobody had ever done this before. Everybody believed Einstein was wrong. All right, should we? And uh, uh, that Niels Bohr was right. And they had uh, debates between the two, and it became overwhelming consensus, sort of like it is claimed for yes. for climate science, that Einstein was wrong. Uh, and Bohr was right. Well, I thought I was a very strong believer in Einstein's theory, uh, almost as a tool of religion. 
but uh, so I wanted to test and he was very skeptical of whether or not uh, quantum entanglement was correct but there, there was no experimental evidence yeah so I decided gee let's do a real experiment I figured out how to do one did the experiment published it in 72 and showed that Einstein was wrong but everybody still at the time said ah we all knew that uh, totally uh, uh, Totally pointless waste of time and money that otherwise could have been spent doing real physics. <laughs> this was decided to be not real physics. So then 50 years later, it became clear that yes, what I did was actually uh, worthwhile to have yeah. done. And in fact, that the, the experimental configuration that I used back in 1972 uh, was a model for some uh, important applications. For example, uh, the Chinese Misius uh, satellite uses exactly that configuration. Now, instead of the source of photons is in the satellite beamed down to two ground stations that are a thousand kilometers apart, yeah. and correspondingly, uh, they um, uh, and, and it, uh, they, they can, it, this can be used to send encrypted communication between the, the, the two locations. So my experiments got repeated in the 80s by Alan Aspect in uh, Paris and Anton Zeilinger in Vienna. Uh, and so they are my... Uh, are co-laureates. Wow, okay, congratulations. And so, but over, but there's a, it took 50 years for the work to get recognized. Yeah. <laughs> and there was overwhelming consensus that what I was doing was pointless. And you proved Einstein wrong. Is I proved saying. Einstein wrong. I yeah. thought that was worth, worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause especially because I didn't believe it. I know. But I did believe the data and I did believe in doing good science. Uh, not right-wing science, as Joe Biden. <laughs> no, no, no. There is no politics in science. Right. I'm sorry. Um, in terms of climate, did, did you follow the global cooling scare in the 70s? Did you follow global no, warming? When did you I, first I, get I interested in I didn't know about the global cooling scare in the 70s. What was that? Well, there's a lot of a CIA reports, some scientists, even at NASA, uh, and some climatologists, media outlets, uh, promoting the idea that man-made global cooling from aerosols, from fossil fuel burning, oh, okay. was dimming the sun. But when did you start following climate? Did you at any point well, ever believe well, we faced a climate crisis? Okay, and then uh, okay. At I was. I, I wrote my PhD thesis at Columbia, but in the at the Goddard Institute for Space Studies, which is where Jim Hansen was working. And you knew Jim Hansen then? Uh, well. I yeah. n not well. I knew him uh, yeah. as, uh, in passing, if you will. Um, so, uh, but my thesis advisor was intimately involved in uh, planetary atmosphere studies. He was worrying, talking about uh, at the time the atmosphere of Venus. And he predicted, was the first to predict that uh, Venus had this huge, massive atmosphere, CO2 atmosphere, and that the pressure at the surface of Venus is comparable to the pressure at the bottom of the oceans on, uh, yeah. on the Earth. It's a massive atmosphere. And nobody believed him at the time until 
the Russian probe <laughs> got crushed <laughs> trying to get to yeah. the surface uh, at the at the time. Now he so my thesis advisor invented the uh, the greenhouse model for uh, planetary atmospheres, uh, and I wrote my PhD thesis at Goddard Institute for Space Studies, uh, which is where all of the, virtually all of the uh, uh, IPCC uh, computer models are, yes, are being yes. uh, uh, generated. All right, let me ask you, can I ask you some quick questions? Uh, they say it's the hottest in 125,000 years, 2023. What do you say? Total nonsense. <laughs> and in fact, if you look at the, at the IPCC's own data that I showed in my first slide, they show the temperature uh, leveling off and folding over from the uh, AR5 report, uh, certainly uh, pretty much going at least flat, uh, declining a little bit. Uh, now, the, looking at record temperatures, there's always going to be a new record somewhere. Uh, depends on how long that uh, uh, Weather Bureau has been been in business yeah. <laughs> that had been keeping records. If, it, if, it, if they started taking uh, records last year, then, then and this year is hotter than the <laughs> uh, now. There are, of course, natural fluctuations uh, in in temperature that are occurring. There are various cycles, everything from the so-called El Nino, which is really not. If you look at the so-called El Nino cycles, it's not periodic. The time from one peak to the next is highly variable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, a lot of that is just the, the uh, so looking at records is a terrible way uh, to determine whether or not, there are also cold records. And it turns out, for example, <coughs> one of the things that uh, Kunin has pointed out is that people, uh, there are, is a worry about the effect on people's health and how many deaths are attributed to climate change. It turns out there are 10 times as many deaths attributed to cold spells than there yeah. are to hot spells. Yes. Yeah. So it's hard to claim that this is warming <laughs> is a, a danger to people's health. Uh, what do you make of the youth climate movement <laughs> led by people like Greta Thunberg? What's your message to them? <laughs> I don't know much about it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't comment. Will the UN climate summit coming up in a couple of weeks, will that save the planet if they get I don't also don't know much about that either. I, but I personally believe there is no climate uh, uh, change. I believe that, yeah. you know, as a, uh, I, that I have good news. The planet is not in peril. <laughs> okay. Is net zero a bad idea? Trying to restrict it's our... It's horrible. It's a disaster. <laughs> totally ridiculous. CO2 has absolutely nothing to do... Yes, CO2, the Keeling curve, the, this uh, wiggly line increasing... That's probably good science. It's probably well done. I, I'm perfectly willing to believe that, but 400 parts per million is nothing. I mean, uh, <coughs> millions of years ago in the Jurassic era, it was 10 times higher, and the, the dinosaurs thrived. What would you say to, how do you fix science right now? You have, 
Every science group with their board of directors votes that climate's essentially a crisis. You have all of the scientists afraid to speak out that you, you yourself were canceled from the uh, International well, Monetary Fund. How do you fix this situation? I wish I knew. Uh, that's a very good question. And there was a talk I gave in Korea. The big problem right now is what I call technocons, is that uh, there is a massive amount. We are totally awash in scientific disinformation. The people who want to promote a uh, their pet project or make money in a particular way will claim totally false science, uh, total pseudoscience, and use it to push their political agenda, their, push their, their business agenda. And it works because the people who have the money to invest in them are totally clueless about science. They have no idea how to solve a differential equation. They have no idea uh, uh, what Newton's laws say, uh, how to do quantum mechanics. Any of the uh, important pieces of science, they're absolutely clueless. They were raised mostly uh, at liberal arts uh, schools that really uh, eschewed science uh, and are easy suckers to play to get money to invest in these total pseudoscience uh, schemes. An example, and you can use pseudoscience to promote the damnedest thing. It is now alleged that algebra is race, teaching algebra is racist. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I find that very hard to believe yeah. that algebra itself is, is, is a racist act, uh, yeah. activity. But nonetheless, that, that's an example of pseudoscience claims that are being promoted on the, the by the opportunists upon the clueless mm -hmm. and the clueless patsies are politicians businessmen investors all right well thank you very much okay. for taking the time appreciate it all right. dr john clauser congratulations on your thank, you. thank you all right that was my exclusive interview done for my website climatedepot.com for the first time airing anywhere on tnt radio of Dr. John Clauser. And I love the way he said there was uh, the propagandist pr promoting these ideas to the clueless. And he even mentioned the identity politics, how math is racist and uh, facts are racist and data is racist, which uh, this has been spreading this identity politics throughout science. Um, it was interesting if you noticed too, when I asked him about Greta Thunberg, when I asked him about the UN, he's like, I don't know, I don't follow that. He had, he doesn't, he's not a political activist and he's certainly not on the payroll of anyone, shape or form. He's on a pension, he's retired. He is all science and he cares about the science. Uh, and that's why I love that story about telling Joe Biden. I mean, he took the opportunity to tell the president of the United States in the Oval Office that he didn't agree with his climate or energy policies. And Joe Biden had to smear him as, quote, practicing right wing politics. We're still waiting for the White House word on that. The Washington Post put in the request. They haven't got back yet. Mm, be like, I'll be like uh, looking at my watch. OK, give me one year, two year. Anyway. 
Uh, fascinating stuff. I don't expect the IMF will ever get back to the Washington Post either. His talk has been canceled. It'll be interesting to see what other evil things they do to Dr. John Clauser. If you recall, this has been happening for decades in the climate debate. And I think because Dr. John Clauser didn't follow the climate debate at all or the politics, he just thought he could come out and say what he thought was scientific truth. And now, of course, he's being attacked and canceled and deplatformed and censored. But what's interesting is the same thing we saw happen in real time, in rapid time, right before our eyes, when you had Nobel Prize winning chemists like Michael Levitt, you had epidemiologists from Stanford and Harvard and, um, and Caltech and all these prestigious universities come out and say lockdowns don't work, mass mandates don't work, this is not the right approach, Anthony Fauci's wrong, and what happened to them? You had the highest levels of government from Anthony Fauci to Francis Collin polluting, calling them fringe epidemiologists, smearing them. That's exactly what they do. You go against the narrative, whether it's COVID or climate or whatever the powers that be want, and you are going to be feeling the pain. And that's the reason Donald Trump is being taken off ballots. And that's the reason Donald Trump is being threatened with jail. He isn't on board with that narrative, regardless of what you think of Donald Trump. Um, I believe he's an accident of history. He was never, it's not like where George Bush or Bob Dole when he was the nominee that time, it's his turn. Oh yeah, yeah. Hillary Clinton, it's her turn. No, he won. I think it shocked even himself, shocked the establishment and they decided they'll never let a Donald Trump happen. And that's part of the reason this acceleration in the social media censorship, in all forms of censorship uh, and tolerance since 2016, they're just never going to allow it to happen again. They're not even gonna let someone like that on the ballot, literally. I know literally is an overused word, but literally they're removing him. I think he just got removed from the main ballot in my home state of Virginia, they're trying to move Donald Trump. Anyway, I'm bringing that up, not about Trump, it's about what they're going to do, very similar to what they did to Trump, is what they're, what they're doing now to John Clauser, the Nobel Prize. They're just gonna go after him, discredit him, uh, they have these Nobel Prize winning alumni events. And by the way, uh, the um, Dr. Ivar G. Ever, who won the Nobel Prize in physics several years back, uh, wrote a blurb for my book. And I've interviewed him and he's fantastic as well. Another Nobel Prize winning scientist. He went to the Nobel Committee and did two separate speeches years ago. You know, when I say years ago, pre like 2000, maybe 14 and 2010 or something. And I don't know that the Nobel Committee would even allow that today. That's how much the world has changed. They've just coalesced them out. Remember, Google, we own the science and we want the world to know it. So we partnered with Google to make sure only the search results that match with the UN come back. All right. Uh, you just lived through historic moment on TNT Radio, the exclusive first time ever broadcast of Dr. John Clauser will be available on demand. All right. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT Radio. We'll be back the next segment right after this. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Hello, everyone, and I hope you had a wonderful and Merry Christmas. Hey, did you happen to catch our Vice President Kamala Harris before the holiday speaking on MSNBC about next year's election and what it means? I think all of these issues are important to voters who are going to be going to the polls in November, and, and they will make their decisions, obviously, um, but there are a lot of critical issues at stake. And, you know, every election cycle, we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is. This one is. What? Did she say this is the most important, the most consequential, the most anything? Nope, she did not. You know, every election cycle, we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is. 
This one is. And this is one of the freedoms she claims is at stake next November. The freedom to just be. The freedom to just be. So the woman who's a heartbeat away from the presidency says this is the most election ever in our lifetime and gives you some cockamamie freedom. I mean, God help us all. Thanks for giving me a minute. And don't forget to tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. <laughs> my baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those <laughs> beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Examining the issues. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Unleashed on TNT Radio. I'm your host, Mark Morano. Okay, well, just want to say again, uh, people like Dr. John Clouser to have the courage to speak out and to take the smears. By the way, the Washington Post article also quoted Gavin Schmidt of NASA and Michael Mann, who's now uh, with the University of Pennsylvania, formerly of Penn State, formerly of the UN, the guy that did the hockey stick. They drag out the usual suspects to just smear and attack and say he's wrong and it's dangerous. His information is dangerous. Misinformation kills in public health, in climate, any claim contrary to any government institution or narrative is dangerous, should be regulated and banned. That is the world at the end of 2023 here. Of course, not on Unleashed, not on TNT Radio. None of that is true. But that's where we're that's where we're headed as a world and a society. And that's it's a frightening example of where we are. Uh, okay, and a couple other just bits of climate news, and I'll get to my final piece de resistance, which is my award ceremony for climate hypocrites of 2023. Uh, first of all, New York City has a climate law, a carbon tax now on the middle class, which is making life more expensive. They're moving with emission policies that will make life unaffordable while doing nothing for the climate. So this is uh, the mayor of New York City, Mayor Adams, just continuing this whole nonsense. Remember, his health department is the one that went after pizza ovens. Uh, they didn't like the wood-fired pizza ovens and the coal-fired. They're family-run, smaller, and they're going to put in huge compliance, tens of thousands of dollars per year, retrofitting, inspectors, fines, monitors. Who can afford that? Oh, I know who can afford all that. No, not the small mom and pops that, that have been in their families for you know decades and, and half a century plus. But the big agri-corporate business, why not Chinese firms? Why not multinational big corporate? They can afford all those costs. Hey, 
Is it a coincidence that they all support these same regulations? Is that why ExxonMobil supported the UN Paris Agreement? And, and when uh, Rex Tillerson, the former ExxonMobil CEO, went to the Arctic to sign the, the indigenous uh, climate resolution to go along with the United Nations. Uh, yeah, oh, we love Exxon here. Yeah, give us money, Exxon. Exxon wouldn't give me a cent. Uh, they're a sellout international organization. They've admitted they're not even a U.S. organization. But anyway, and we don't get money from that. Not that we wouldn't accept it, but they're interested in being green, all the energy. We get all our money, uh, complete funding from individual donations, almost complete. Anyway, that's what New York City is up to. And I just think, you know, it's, it's sad because think about what's happened in New York City just in the last since COVID. Some of the most severe COVID lockdowns, some of the most severe vaccine mandates, some of the most insane mask mandates. At one point, they were estimating 65% of the small mom and pop restaurants would be permanently shut down, more than half anyway, by these COVID policies. Then they go through the whole defund the police movement related to George Floyd. You have all the rioting. Remember, you can't go out of your house and, and you know, and, and, you have to keep social distancing unless it's for a good liberal cause and it's for racism. Then, hey, the virus takes a break. So they allowed that. They allowed the destruction of stores and cities. So they're still boarded up, the collapse of commercial agriculture. And then they have a, a mayor now who decides on top of all of this nonsense that they're going to double down on the climate agenda, start banning pizza ovens. They're going after gas stoves in the state of New York. And they're also now coming after with carbon taxes on the middle class. Um, what can you do? They're virtue signaling, but it's not, it's it, virtue signaling implies it's sort of, it's, 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 it's a signal to the climate. It's nonsense. It's meaningless. But it's it's got real pain at this point. This is no longer Arnold Schwarzenegger, 2005, signing bills and being a climate hero for stuff that's not going to pass for many years into the future. All right. Um, and one other update. Dutch truckers launch lawsuit against London mayor's climate car tax. A lawsuit filed by Dutch, truck, Dutch truckers may derail far-left London mayor Sadiq Khan's green tax on drivers arguing that thousands of fines levied on drivers to save the environment were unlawful. Uh, so, you know, these are the Dutch drivers, by the way, who have endured their own problems with their own government, the Dutch truckers. They're dealing with the, what the Dutch farmers have gone through with the imposed climate agenda back in New York City. So the move could imperil, could impose draconian ultra-low emission zone tax on cars and low emission on larger vehicles to further legal challenges. So what they're doing is they're saying you can't drive your car here unless basically you have a new car. So what everything I'm telling you about with this climate agenda on a very basic level, but it's not the most frightening level. The most frightening level is the collapse of energy, food, transportation, all with by bypassing democracy, all being imposed on a public. But the climate agenda historically has also just been about raising the cost of everything. So you think of these truckers, think of a small or mid-sized trucking firm. They're not going to be able to afford all the latest trucks, all the latest gizmos, all the latest ultra-low emissions standards. And by the way, remember, regular air pollution has dramatically improved since 1970, the first Earth Day, air, water quality. We're at the point now where these are just, they're chasing uh, ghosts, trying to get little particles per billion, parts per million, parts per billion, improvement in all of these things with huge cost to society. 
what does it do? They, the smaller companies can't afford these regulations. They can't afford a new truck fleet. They can't afford to retrofit. They can't afford the fines, the levies, the retrofitting. It just means buyouts, equity asset, big corporate. And that's, of course, the agenda of the World Economic Forum. Just be careful in this day and age, at the end of 2023, I, I wanna say this warning. Don't say, I'm a capitalist in this day and age. Capitalism is a bad word. And I say this as a free market student of Walter Williams, where I got a C in his econ class in 1988, I believe. Um, because the world now has redefined capitalism, at least in the many of the left, to Bill Gates is a capitalist. No, he's not. He's a monopolist and he's a philanthropic capitalist, which means he gives money away to make himself even more money. They'll say Klaus Schwab is a capitalist because he's the World Economic Forum. All the billionaires and millionaires and corporations all are beholden to go to him. And no, that's not capitalism. That is oligarchy. That is uh, far from essentially a free market. That is monopolistic behavior. And that is fascism, the corporate government collusion with the brainchild of things like ESG, environment, social governance, and BlackRock and State Street and all the financial and diversity equity and inclusion, DEI, and all the way down the line. So let's make that clearful. Okay. In the final moments here of the show, I want to do this. I'm going to do Fox and Friends in the morning, uh, which will be 6.40 a.m. Eastern, Saturday in the United States. So for those of you watching, you can watch it live, I believe, somewhere on the web. Um, I'm going to be doing the top climate hypocrites of 2023. And I've been going through the list. I want to, first of all, give special mention to a Disney heiress who is um, uh, the heir to the Disney fortune. She flew on private jets her whole life, and she gave them up cold turkey. She now calls them evil. She's worried about climate change, and she's calling for a ban on private jet use uh, as a symbolic effort against sort of excess wealth and the fight climate change. And here's what I would say to that. If I, I got for kudos, she's getting my honorable mention tomorrow on the show on Fox and Friends. It's amazing because if you actually, like when France banned their flights of two and a half hours or less to save the climate last uh, May of, 20, of this year, 2023, they exempted private jets from that. It was only commercial airlines. Now, think about that. If you actually reversed it, what if we said, okay, we're going to impose travel restrictions. We're going to impose bans on gas-powered cars. We're going to impose climate compliance costs. We're going to do, as CNN said, carbon passports in order to travel. But guess what? With one caveat, we're going to only do it to people who fly private jets. We're going to only do it to people who have fleets of car and giant SUVs and giant uh, Suburbans those have to be all electric. You can no longer have uh, gas powered and you can no longer fly private because private and wealthy people have the biggest carbon footprint. We need to go after them. And if that goes well, hey, after a year or two, then we'll start phasing in other restrictions. Of course, this is done tongue in cheek. I'm not for phasing in any restrictions. I'm not even for limiting the, the billionaires and millionaires from doing this. But I mean, as in terms of proposal, this is what Republican Congress should be proposing. This is where the debate should be. If we're going to even take any, any baby step to this insane anti-human agenda, let's go after the rich. As, you know, as I think it was 
AOC, whose famous dress at the Met Gallery was eat the rich or something like that, or tax the rich. How about this? Let's climate regulate the rich first and see how that goes. Uh, AOC can say tax the rich. Well, let's give them climate taxes. Let's ban their air travel. Let's force them into carbon compliance. Let's ban short haul flights for private jets. Let's uh, get their entire fleet, whether it be helicopters or anything else, and make them use sustainable aviation fuel and ban anything gas powered. Let's get their entire mansions and and land of uh, and landscaping and make everything compliant with not an ounce of gas um, gas powered equipment. And let's threaten to jail them. So kudos to the Disney here. I'm also going to be mentioning King Charles as one of the awardees. Uh, King Charles is a man who flew private jet to the uh, to the uh, UN COP28 climate summit in Dubai. Prince Charles is one of the largest carbon footprints. I'm also going to mention the UN COP28 as an honorable mention for the climate hypocrisy. Not only did they serve meat, but they filled the airports up in Dubai with private jets, and they had the largest climate summit meeting with the largest carbon footprint in history. And uh, I'm going to make special mention of... Uh, by Richie Sunak, uh, Richie Rich, who flew, again, private jet, very wealthy, and he has been a climate hypocrite. But I'm going to save all of this for John Kerry, who will be the winner. Uh, spoiler alert, John Kerry will win the award for climate hypocrite of the year. And the reason is so simple. He was in Congress. I believe it was sworn testimony. I'm not 100%, but sworn testimony. And he said with such adamance, I played this clip on December 19th, I believe, uh, on my TNT show a couple of weeks ago, where he actually said, I don't own a private jet. I've never owned a private jet. And he said it emphatically. He said it repeatedly. I showed the video over and over of him doing it. And then I can't, I will get the congressman's name, Republican congressman, cross-examined him. And this is why they, you know, they when they have why you need a why you need both sides in a legal argument. You can't just listen to one side because then you get the truth. And he said, "Well, sir, um, your our records indicate your wife had a fleet of private jets, and she sold them right before, right after all these media coverage of you flying private and winning awards and taking private jets." And John Kerry was then forced to admit on camera under oath. Yes, uh, he never owned it, but his wife did. And yeah, they don't own them anymore, but they did just recently own it. That's how you go from, I've never owned one, and I've never owned one, and we don't own one, to, yeah, I guess we did, but that's my wife. My wife owns it, not me. Anyway, this is the world in which we live. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Mark Morano for Unleashed on TNT Radio. See you next time. See you in 2024.